Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 663 for the 6th of October, 2019. This week, when cameras used film, we didn't have much control. Pros and serious amateurs had dark rooms or used professional labs, but most of us couldn't even crop an image without using scissors to cut the print. Now everyone can do what only the pros used to be able to do, and much more that pros never even dreamed of being able to do. In short circuits, lynda.com can be your key to becoming a better photographer, or a C++ programmer, or a sound engineer, or any number of other options. All it takes is a library card from one of the libraries that offers the content for free. If you're thinking about buying a smartphone or you're looking around at mobile phone services, Google Fi is becoming a very serious contender. And in spare parts, only on the website, the most dangerous application on your computer is still the email program. The FDA says some medical devices can be exploited by crooks who could change how the devices work. And 20 years ago, after returning from PC Expo in New York City, I wrote that we seemed to be turning into the Jetsons. Some of what I mentioned came to be, but some didn't. Tasks that once were limited to professional photographers and very serious amateurs are now commonplace and available literally to everyone. You can stick with basics such as cropping or you can go much further. And it's important to understand that nearly every photo needs to be edited when it comes out of the camera. Nearly all digital cameras come with an application by the manufacturer so the user can make basic edits. For those who want more control, Adobe's various Photoshop applications are a good choice, and many of the developers who once made plugins for Adobe's applications are now making photo manipulation programs that can be used as plugins or as standalone applications. It's the rare photo that needs no additional work, so rare, in fact, that I don't ever recall actually seeing one. Maybe the image needs just a little cropping or some straightening. Perhaps the color is not quite what you want it to be. Maybe the lens introduced a little distortion you'd like to eliminate. There are lots of applications for these exact tasks. The simple fact is that whatever comes out of the camera can be improved. This isn't something that's the result of digital cameras and digital photo editing. It's just a lot more democratic now because in the old days, photographers needed dark rooms and they had to spend years developing techniques that allowed them to improve an image on the film negative. Most of them spent more time manipulating images than they did creating images with their cameras. Some even wrote entire books about their processes. Now anybody can improve the photos that come out of their cameras. These programs provide, at the very least, a full range of capabilities that darkroom photographers had with film, and many of them go far beyond anything that any film photographer ever would have been capable of. The Adobe products Lightroom, Lightroom Classic, Photoshop, Camera Raw, and Bridge are popular because they pack a lot of processing power and capabilities into a package that costs $10 a month. 
standalone applications such as OnOne Photo Raw, Affinity Photo, Aurora HDR, Exposure, and others offer their own unique capabilities, philosophies, and procedures. The question that's often asked is, which one is the best? Well, there's no good answer. Just as there is no good answer to which one is the best when it's applied to cameras, or automobiles, or vacation destinations. Consider these examples. Cameras. Do you need a super high-resolution camera that comes with a $50,000 price tag? Do you need the quick-shooting capabilities of a digital SLR? Or do you need nothing more than the astonishing capabilities of cameras that are built into modern smartphones? How about automobiles? Are you looking for a sporty midlife crisis car? A luxury automobile that costs more than most people earn in a year? Or a pickup truck? Or vacation destinations? Would you prefer to spend a week eating high-fat foods on a ship, climbing a mountain, relaxing at a seashore, or visiting libraries and museums? They're all the right choice for somebody, at some time. So as much as I'd like to say one specific application is the best, I can't. What I can say is that if you want to create the best photos possible, you do need a photo editing application. You'll see an example on the TechBiter Worldwide website, I was in Belfountain earlier this year where the Logan County Courthouse reopened after several years of repairs and remodeling. A storm with 80-mile-an-hour winds damaged the 142-year-old building in 2012. Instead of tearing the building down, a decision was made to repair it, and for the next seven years the building was closed. Now it's open again, and I took several pictures of the renovated building inside and out. On the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll see a dual image. The image on the left is the original. The image on the right is my corrected version. The image has several problems. It's not straight, for one thing. Shadowed areas are muddy, and the image has an overall blue cast. As a snapshot, it might be fine, but it's not something I'd really want to share with anybody. Nearly any photo editing application could be used to make the changes you'll see in the image on the right. The image was first rotated and cropped a bit. Then, using the clock face to identify white for color balance, the application corrected the color. The overall exposure was increased slightly, highlights were darkened a bit, shadows were boosted, and I increased the intensity of the sky just a little. The cropping did cut off part of the flag on top of the flagpole, and had I been planning for this, I would have allowed more room. Even so, the modified image is substantially better than the original, and it clearly illustrates how just a few modifications can turn a substandard image into something useful. So regardless of which application you use, take a little extra time with your photos and improve them. Sometimes just a few moments' work can turn an average image into something spectacular. In Short Circuits, this week's main article is all about why you should take time to improve your photographs, but you might be wondering how to do that. I have an advantage. I had a darkroom when I was in high school, and I was the operator of a photo studio for a decade. Knowing enough about software to figure out how applications work is also a plus. If you don't have all of those advantages, there's a shortcut. Lynda.com is now part of LinkedIn and LinkedIn would like me to refer to it as LinkedIn Learning. 
Anyone who wants to improve their photography skills or their photo processing skills should take a look. But the problem is it costs $30 a month, or $18 a month if you sign up for a year. In addition to some excellent photography instructors, Lynda.com, and I still like the old name, has hundreds of courses in dozens of other topic areas. But is it worth $30 a month? Maybe. What if somebody offered you free access? Your local library might make it possible for you to view the entire lynda.com catalog for free. And if your local library doesn't offer access, it's possible that a library in your state does and that it will issue you a library card. My local library offers access. So does the Columbus Metropolitan Library, the Cleveland Public Library, and the Cincinnati Library. All of these libraries make their services available to all Ohio residents. So it's likely that a library system in your state does that, too. By the way, have I mentioned recently just how important libraries are? Richard Harrington, Chris Orwig, Ben Long, Derek Story, Tim Gray, Justin Resnick, Sean Duggan, Jan Kabili, Deke McClelland, Julianne Cost, Robbie Carmen, Taz Talley, Chris Meyer, Trish Meyer, Aaron F. Ross, Lee Lanier, Rob Garrett, Bert Monroy, Garrick Chow, Brian O'Neill Hughes, David Hobby, Steve Simon, and Steve Wright all have a dozen or more lessons on photography. Some have far more than a dozen. You can watch these programs online, download the practice files, depending on what your library has licensed, and learn how to become a better photographer. Chris Orwig is a college instructor. Ben Long is a San Francisco photographer. Jan Kabili is a writer. Deke McClelland is an author and designer. Julianne Cost is a specialist in Adobe products. These are people who know what they're talking about. But it's more than just photography classes. A good summary of lynda.com's past and present is available on Wikipedia. Here's some of it. LinkedIn Learning was founded as lynda.com in 1995 in Ojai, California. It provided online support for books and classes by Linda Weinman, a special effects animator and multimedia professor who founded a digital arts school with her husband, artist Bruce Heaven. In 2002, the company began offering courses online. By 2004, there were 100 courses. In 2008, the company began producing and publishing documentaries on creative leaders, artists, and entrepreneurs. In 2015, LinkedIn announced its intention to buy lynda.com at a deal valued at $1.5 billion. Then in 2016, Microsoft announced that it would acquire LinkedIn for $26.2 billion. In 2017, lynda.com was renamed LinkedIn Learning. Now users who have no LinkedIn accounts are being told to migrate to a LinkedIn account to continue using the service. LinkedIn's premium membership costs $30 a month, but a free option is available. Before being acquired by LinkedIn, lynda.com had two subscription levels, $25 and $35 per month. The higher-priced option allowed users to download practice files, some libraries license what is constructively the lower-priced option, and users don't have access to practice files. These are less important for people who are attempting to master a photographic technique than for someone who's trying to learn, oh, say, for example, C++ programming. LinkedIn free memberships provide no access to the training programs, but $30 per month for a premium LinkedIn membership does include programs without additional charge. And presumably, when a LinkedIn membership is required for library access to the training programs, the free account will be sufficient. 
At $30 a month, subscribers have access to thousands of programs, and it's a good value. But it's an even better value for those who log in for free from home through their library. Google's MVNO cellular telephone service might be exactly what you're looking for. And depending on how much data you use, it can be one of the best values available. MVNO stands for Mobile Virtual Network Operator. I'll explain that in a moment. Google Fi began in 2015, but only for Nexus 6 smartphones. As a virtual network operator, Google purchased services from Sprint and T-Mobile and added U.S. Cellular in 2016. Although the service requires special phones that can use each of the three systems, more than a dozen additional phones are certified for Google Fi, and several others may work. Because the service buys voice and data packages in bulk from Sprint, T-Mobile, and U.S. Cellular, the phones are designed to select the network with the best signal in any given location. The pricing is attractive. A single user pays $20 per month for unlimited talk and texting and $10 per gigabyte of data used. You have to sign up for one gigabyte, but if you don't use all the data, the monthly data charge is prorated. Because I'm almost always near a Wi-Fi hotspot, my monthly bill is usually around $25. Add another user to your account for $15 a month and you share that $10 worth of data. For heavy data users, Google Fi caps the data charge at $60, 6 gigabytes, so you have a de facto unlimited plan. But note that if you exceed 15 gigabytes of data per month, and that's a lot, if you exceed 15 gigabytes of data per month, the speed is reduced to 256 kilobits, or you can choose to pay for higher speed access. Also, that unlimited plan kicks in at 10 gigabytes when there's more than one user on the account. On Pixel 3 phones and later, there's no need for a SIM card. You can add one if you want to, and that would allow you to use the phone on some other network. The Pixel 3 has been available for about a year. You'll find a larger screen, a better camera, and Google's Titan security in these phones. In May of this year, the Pixel 3a and 3a XL were released. Those with the XL designation have larger screens and usually more memory. Artificial intelligence attempts to block spam calls, and an option to screen calls is a really welcome addition to the current Android operating system. The call screening feature transcribes the caller's response to a challenge so the user can decide whether to answer the call or mark the number as one to be rejected. Google Fi uses Wi-Fi when possible. The phone's Wi-Fi assistant is constantly on the lookout for open Wi-Fi networks and will automatically connect to ones that are in Google's database of networks known to be reliable. The connections automatically enable a virtual private network, and data sent or received via Wi-Fi doesn't count against the system's monthly data limit. Those who travel a lot will see another benefit from phones that work with Google's virtual network. You can use the service in nearly 200 countries around the world without any additional cost for data use or texting. Phone calls are charged at a flat rate of 20 cents per minute, or you can use Wi-Fi to place calls back to the U.S. for virtually no cost. Data used outside the United States is priced exactly the same as data used inside the United States. Google recently began to allow any unlocked phone to be added to Google Fi, 
but the best results still come from a Pixel device. Starting with the Pixel 3, the phones use SIM circuitry instead of a SIM card. Other phones that carry a designated for Phi label still need a SIM, but they offer all the benefits of a Pixel phone. If you choose to use an unlocked phone, not designed for Google Fi, you will lose some features. Unlocked phones can't switch from one network to another, for example. But Google Fi now supports iPhones. I added my wife to the Google Fi account a few months ago and arranged to port our home landline number to her mobile phone. That turned out to be needlessly complex. Google Fi has an online form to start the porting process, but it asks for a personal identification number. Landlines don't have pins. I spent more than 90 minutes on several calls and online chat sessions trying to work that out. These days, most people probably port numbers from other cellular services, not from landlines. And it seemed that the customer service representatives and their supervisors, and their supervisors' supervisors, had never dealt with anyone who wanted to port an AT&T landline to Google Fi. The solution turned out to be quite simple, which made it all the more annoying. I could write anything I wanted in the text box that requested the PIN. I just had to put something there. Then the people who handle the porting would know that the landline has no PIN. Now, why nobody told the support staff that small but important bit of information is a mystery. This information also should have been included on the form used to start the port process, but of course it wasn't. So a process that should have taken no more than five minutes consumed nearly two hours over several days. Once the process is underway, porting a number from another cellular service will take less than an hour, porting from a landline provider will be complete in a few days, and you'll briefly be able to make outbound calls on both the mobile phone and the landline. Google Fi isn't the only mobile virtual network operator, but it may be the largest. Wikipedia has what appears to be a comprehensive list of MVNOs, including many you've probably never heard of, and some that you have. For example, Consumer Cellular, Credo Mobile, Net Zero, Straight Talk, TrackPhone, Walmart, Xfinity, and Zing. So if you're thinking about ditching your current mobile service for another, Google Fi is worth checking out. No phones are needed to check out spare parts, but it is possible to visit the website using a phone, and that's exactly where you'll find this week's offerings including the most dangerous application on your computer. Yep, it's still the email program. The FDA says some medical devices can be exploited by crooks who could change how the devices work. And 20 years ago, after returning from PC Expo in New York City, I wrote that we seemed to be turning into the Jetsons. Some of what I mentioned came to be, but some didn't. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.